Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. This ain't your abuelita's financial advice. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, and I'm here to help you tackle grown woman business when it comes to all things dinero. We're going to talk about how to make it, keep it, and grow it. On that note, vamos. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. And for all of those who are celebrating, first and foremost, happy Easter. Today is Easter Sunday, and we are bringing you a new episode. So thanks for being here. Um, if you haven't already heard on my Instagram, I am working with a group of Latinas to coordinate an event that we're calling the Side Hustle Summit. So if you haven't already gotten your tickets, head over to my Instagram at Yo Quiero Dinero Podcast and get your tickets. There are some sessions that are already sold out and we've opened up wait lists. And so we're working through the logistics of bringing you a webinar where potentially hundreds of people will be involved. So there's a little bit of a technical aspect around that. So make sure that if a session that you're interested in is sold out, that you go ahead and head over to the wait list so that when we release more tickets, you can get yours right away. I thank you guys so much for all your support. I'm so excited about all the buzz that we're generating around this event. And for anybody who doesn't know, the Side Hustle Summit is April 20th to the 24th. We're going to be bringing you five days of sessions from Latinas, including me, who have taken the power of the internet to create online businesses. So we're going to talk about blogging, how to use geo-arbitrage to allow yourself to work remotely, how to use TikTok, because that is so important nowadays. That is becoming the new social media platform to really get connected to your audience. We're going to be talking about 
tech and all things internet related when it comes to running your business and also how to start a side hustle for less than $100. So we're going to bring you so much content and I'm super excited about it. So be sure to tune into that. All right, now that we got all that out of the way, let's go ahead and get into our conversation with Sidenis Pierce, who is a blogger over at thepoisedlifestyle.com. She's on Instagram at Poised Finance Lifestyle, and she's also on YouTube, and she is simplifying money for millennials. She's a finance expert. She has a background in financial planning, actually, and she's a mom. She's creator of the High Five Banking Method. She's been featured in Forbes, and she paid off $99,000 of debt in five years. So when I saw all this, I'm like, I got to talk to this woman because she clearly knows what she's doing. She knows what she's talking about. So let's get into our conversation with Sideni Spears of thepoisedlifestyle.com. All right, Sirenis, how are you? First off, thank you for being here. Doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am so happy to talk to you. And I think there's such a thirst for financial conversations because there's a lot of stuff going on with people's money right now, as I'm sure you have seen and might be experiencing, whether it's with yourself or with friends and family, everybody's kind of got money on the mind. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because I think we're going to talk about a lot of things that are very relevant. Yes, definitely. Okay, so let's get started with introducing you to uh, the audience. If you could just go ahead and give us a quick summary of your background and how you got into personal finance. Yeah, so I'm Sirenice Pierce. I am a Latina mom here from Southern California. And the, re- the way I realistically got into finance is through the 08 recession. My family hit a really hard time financially. They were very successful. Um, They came from Dominican Republic, both of my parents immigrants, and they just lived the complete American dream. They built success, they built wealth. And one thing that really frustrated me was after every recession, they would just hit rock bottom. And during the 08 recession, which was where I was a little bit older and more cautious what was going on, I was just devastated to see how, you know, two immigrants could work so hard to build a legacy and it could disappear overnight. I became so frustrated with that, that I even changed majors when I got into college and I got into finance. And luckily, um, it was a big coincidence. My university started a new program for financial planning. And I was really interested in it because to me, this was like the opportunity, like the the aha moment that I've been looking for of how to realistically protect your personal finances, you know, when you want to retire, when recessions come, um, how to budget and manage your finances correctly so that you don't lose everything because that's what my family experienced. They lost everything. It was just so devastating again, to see your parents, you know, people that you love and care about go through such hard times. Um, From there, I started working at Merrill Lynch, but then I wanted to move to San Diego to be with my um, my future husband, which is my husband now. And I worked at MetLife and Ameriprise for some of the top financial advisors, where we did a lot of asset allocations, financial planning, and um, that was a bit, most of the chunk of it. And once I had my daughter, I realized that our community as Latinos and people that are brown and in the um, 
just our community in general hasn't been educated on financial planning. I realized that when I was working at Merrill Lynch, that there was no one that was brown or any other ethnicity was really coming in to get financial advice. And I noticed the exact same thing when I moved down to San Diego. And that was one of the main things that I realized. And I talked to my husband about it. And he, at that moment, I was planning on quitting my job so that I can be a mom full time, just knock my kids out all at one time. People thought I was crazy. <laughs> but it was also the the career I was in. You know, I was in an old man's job career in financial planning. And I knew that I had a little bit of wiggle room to realistically have my family and then jump back into my career. And at this point, I realized that I wanted to do something to give back to my community. I wanted to help them prepare them for the next recession that was going to come up because, again, it happens every 10, around every 10 years, the economy naturally dips down, you know? It's Uh just something that has to do with history and, and, and economics, and you can't really stop that. That's just how life kind of rolls. So that's when I started doing Poise Finance and Lifestyle, and I started my blog, and doing YouTube videos and becoming a content creator, and it's just been such an inspiration and such an honor, honestly, to be able to help people in my community. And the feedback that I've been getting is just so monumental, especially now that We're starting to be in the pre-recession era of this coronavirus situation. And, you know, those are things I've been talking about. And my family always went in one ear and out the other. And now in the last few years, they've been kind of listening a little bit more and taking my advice. And it's just so good to see that the little tips that I gave out are are actually helping them. So that's how I got into um, financial planning and finance in general. And I know there's not a lot of people that look like us in this industry and kind of want to change that. That is a fact. Um, (laughs) And I love that. So I have so many questions based on just what you're (laughs) actually telling us. So first off, um, how long were you actually like in industry before you spun off and did your own, you created your own business and your own brand? Gosh, I would say about three years. Okay. Yeah, it was about three years because I was already working at Merrill Lynch when I was in college. So that was the really a big opportunity and big blessing that allowed me to easily transition into other um, companies once I moved down to San Diego. Thank God, because, you yeah. know, it's very difficult to, you know, find a new job sometimes. And that that um, that brand and that company really made it like, oh, wow, OK, we want to hire her. So it was yeah. really interesting to see how. You know, in the Latino community, they always tell you to go to college, but they don't tell you to make connections. Mm, and that's a really good point. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I did when I was in college. I made connections. I um, From my connections, I got the internship at Merrill Lynch. And then from Merrill Lynch, you know, they're like, oh, can we have you here the full time? And it just transitions and it gives you a lot of more opportunities. And that's one of the biggest things that I always shared with my sister and a a lot of my (laughs) um, friends that are a little bit younger when they were entering college. I'm like, look at the opportunities, you guys. And the same thing here with the recession. You have to look at the opportunities of making sure that you're positioning yourself correctly to sustain yourself for the new um, economic landscape that's happening. Absolutely. There... I I don't know how many of my listeners were old enough to experience firsthand the effects of the recession, but for me personally, I graduated in May of 2007. 
Mm-hmm. And then the economy essentially crashed like six months later. So I oh. basically came of age in that time, right? My earning, my beginning of my earning life as an adult was shaped by that. And I think, um, you know, it has had long-term repercussions for a lot of people, depending on your industry. Now, me being a Latina in STEM, I think I was pretty insulated from a lot of the job losses that other people experience in other industries, which I'm so grateful for. But I did see how industry was fundamentally changed. There was a time when to be an engineer in a pharmaceutical company, you had to you know, have all types of degrees and you were always a permanent employee with full benefits. And I can tell you like over 10 years later, now I'm working with people that not only do they have to spend money on these degrees because that didn't change, but what did change is now there's a lot of contractors. And mm. these are people that, you know, this is just the way that things have been where contractors used to be for really low level jobs that were kind of temporary. But now there's people doing contract work with like, you know, for six figure jobs and they're giving up the sense of stability that working as a full time employee can give you with benefits and all this stuff. And it's just crazy. Like, I think this moment that we're experiencing right now is also, I believe, going to fundamentally change the way businesses run, because for the first time on a global scale, they're seeing how much of their work can actually just be done remotely. And I think that's going to have a long term impact on what jobs exist after all this stuff is done Mm -hmm. and what working looks like overall. It's funny that you say that because a lot of people have been asking me and my husband, like, how are we dealing with the with the quarantine and everything like that? And realistically, we've been prepping for this. We're built for this at this point because I run my business from my home and my husband, he's done the same thing where he's a contractor pretty much for his industry. He's a UX, UI graphic designer and consultant. And he's been able to do everything from home and he's been able to have different contracts and not be bored doing the same thing over and over again. And it's been, you know, it's a little different and people are still not used to it. But this is kind of where things are moving towards. If you think about it, more people are noticing that they can work from home. They can have they have more time if they actually manage it correctly. So they could be working for one company and another company on on the other side and really start building more wealth and more income that way, especially around these situations right now where a lot of people are working from home and or some people have lost their job and they don't have anything to fall back on. It's really hard to, you know, put all your eggs in one basket. And for the people who have done that, they're now feeling, you know, a little stressed out. Well, a lot stressed out, to be honest, a lot stressed. And um, they're seeing that this isn't working out and the gig economy is changing to benefit a lot of people to be able to have multiple streams of income, even if it is from one or two different, um, different skills that they have. And that's the thing that we've learned. We've been building up skills that even I'm impressed with. (laughs) I'm impressed with myself. I'm just like, oh my God, I am turning into like a marketing guru, like for real. And my husband's like, I can see the growth. You are getting better. And I was like, wow, this is insane. Before, you know, three years ago, that was like the hardest thing for me. I was like, God, marketing is so hard. And now it's starting to catch on. So again, you know, instead of looking at 
the negative pieces. You have to start looking at the positive and looking at what you can learn, what skills that you thought that you weren't so good at that, you know, you can start balancing out and saying, wow, I can really make a living off of this. I can monetize and separate my different streams of income a little bit more spread out than super close together. And I think that's a really big deal for a lot of people, especially right now, especially right now. I think a lot of people are realizing it. Yeah. And I am a firm believer in the concept that change is meant to push you in a direction that you maybe necessarily wouldn't go without something externally happening. So I think, you know, for anybody who is freaking out and just like, oh my God, I lost my job, or I think I'm going to lose my job, you're being redirected and you're being asked to look inward. Mm -hmm. And the sooner that you realize that, the sooner you can start actually like making decisions that are going to serve your future goals. You know, like I always tell people when I was laid off um, about, what is it now, six years ago, I was miserable in that job. But the shock of being laid off, it's it's still real, right? You're still just like, oh my God, what is what is my life going to look like now? But looking back, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it pushed me to start learning things that I didn't have time for. I created my Mm -hmm. blog. I was able to take food photography classes and I've always been passionate about cooking. So I got to take cooking classes and I got to do all these things that, you know, nine to five corporate life just doesn't let you do. And because of that, I was able to create my own business. And if I hadn't gotten laid off, I never would have had the time to do that. So there's always a reason. Yes. Always a a secret blessing on the other side of misfortune. It always feels like you're the unlucky one. Why is this happening to me? But there's definitely a reason and it's hard to see when you're in it. But once, you know, things go by and time goes on a little bit, you'll be able to clearly see it, thankfully. So being the fact that you were in the financial planning business, were you always good with money or did you have debt issues and like things that you wanted to change? I've always been a saver. And I think one of the main reasons I've always been a saver was because, again, during the 08 recession, I was got my first job and my parents, you know, I saw how they were managing their money and what was going on in the economy. And I instantly got defensive. And me becoming defensive was me saving. I was like a hoarder. That's why everyone used to call me like, you're such a hoarder with money. You're so stingy and frugal. And they didn't understand what was going on at home. You know, from from once I was 17, about 17 to 20, 21, not 21 to 20, I lived in fear, pretty much. We were always scared that we were going to get evicted from our house. My parents were not making the payments on our house. We were always, I was always scared that if I borrowed the car, it was going to get towed. I was always scared that it was going to be my fault. They're like, oh my gosh, of course it's going to happen to you. They catch you and they're going to take the car from you. And, you know, it was really difficult to have my neighbor pick me up from college and tell me that, you know, the sheriff came and, they kicked your mom out and your parents out and you're going to stay at my house. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? Yeah. You know, you just start crying and you feel super emotional and upset and frustrated. And these things are real. And then to, for it to happen multiple times, you're just like, I can't, I cannot live like this. You know, you have to push yourself out of it. And I know it's hard when you're, when you feel stuck 
because I felt stuck a lot of times and I saw that my family felt stuck, but I got tired of living in fear. And I think I know a lot of people don't like to live in fear and they hate that word, but a lot of positivity does come from that. And I became an aggressive saver to feel confident that I can stand on my own two feet. And it was difficult sometimes, even though I had money, I still got slapped in the face by life. But I did feel a little bit more confident being able to find a solution to my problems because I did have savings. And I know that's like, you know, it's kind of a weird situation because, again, a lot of people in my family and um, friends of the family, they weren't savers. They were spenders. So, you know, you have to kind of be the black sheep in the <laughs> in the family sometimes to make the change. And that's what realistically brought the change out of me. Got it. So you become a mom and you're thinking about becoming a stay-at-home mom. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So then you decide, I obviously still need to make money, but I can't do it the way that I was doing it. Just the burnout associated with like working in financial industry is real and it's very well known. So how did you actually go about creating this brand, The Poised Lifestyle? And I also want to talk about this amazing budgeting technique that you have, the five-finger budget. Or the, the high-five high banking method. <laughs> yes, the high-five banking method. So one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that because I was in the industry of finance, I couldn't file bankruptcy. So that opened up the conversation with my husband right away before we even got married to talk about our finances a little deeper. And one of the things that we did is we started becoming debt-free. And one of the things that scared me the most was student loan debt. And we actually paid off all of our student loans before we got married. And it was really dramatic because everyone was like, are you guys serious? <laughs> and what people didn't realize was that there was a game plan behind all of this. You know, we wanted to feel financially secure with our marriage. And we had other steps that we wanted to do. We knew that my husband wanted to start his own business. We knew that um, I wanted to start my family and we were potentially going to have like a break. So what we started doing was we found ways to lower our cost of living. And that happened through becoming debt-free slowly and saving our emergency fund right after we paid off our student loans. And what that brought to us, what we realized was that it brought a lot of clarity to the money that we were making to make sure that we were maximizing it in the right spaces. So our budget for our expenses was very tight. Um, our lifestyle, we lowered it because I was pregnant. Like, what are you going to do when you're pregnant? It's not much you can do. You're not in the mood for anything. And we really focused on our long-term goals. And the reality is the way that I created the High Five Banking Method was once I had my second child, I was pregnant with my second child. My, I'm sorry. Um, we found out that he had a heart defect. And it was so such an emotional moment for me because I, I was barely five months pregnant and I was going in just to get a gender reveal. Like I was excited. I was like, oh, I have my little girl. Let's see if I have a little boy or a little girl. And it ended up being a little boy. And things changed right after that. You know, mm -hmm. we found out that he would need surgery either right after birth or six to 12 months later. They weren't really sure. They couldn't give us, you know, something concrete. So at that point, my savings um, mechanism or technique started kicking back in, you know, as defensive as I was. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And I told my husband, we need to have a separate account to save for my our son's open heart surgery. Mm. And the crazy thing is that a few weeks later, my husband got a project that paid the exact amount for our son's surgery. And I told my husband that this was a sign that God has our back and we need to make sure that we do our, our part and that we save this money with purpose because clearly it was given to us with a purpose. And after that, we did that and we saved it in a separate account. And when it came to the day of the surgery, the month of the surgery, we hit really hard times. Um, my father-in-law passed away a week before my son's surgery. My husband had to go to Alabama twice. <laughs> and then right when he came back, we were going to LA to go do the surgery. And something that I realized was, my goodness, my husband hasn't worked this entire month and we have no income coming in because he is a contractor. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to the other families there, we realized that they were very stressed out. And it wasn't just about just the surgery. They were stressed out financially. And I realized, wow, I'm not stressed out financially because we've been preparing for this and we've been managing our finances a little differently where we've been prioritizing our bills, making sure we've lowered our our cost of living. We have the money for our emergency fund where my husband used to go to to his dad's funeral. We had the money for our son's um, heart surgery. And we started realizing that a lot of times we have money available, but we're just not positioning it correctly or we don't have a real purpose for it. If there's no purpose behind the money, we're probably just going to spend it on whatever. Mm-hmm. Like You can easily spend a whole bunch of $100 eat quickly at, at the Target dollar section. <laughs> that is like, a fact. <laughs> it's a fact. It's, of course, because there's no real purpose for it. You're just like, it's whatever. Yeah. But when you have something that's pulling those little heartstrings and you're like, no, this is for my emergency fund. And then something catastrophic in your family happens, like a death in the family. You feel a little bit relieved that you have the financing to go and not even think about the money. You know, your son's having open heart surgery and you're not even thinking about the money. You're thinking about, you know, being there, being present. Mm -hmm. And a lot of other families, they didn't have that ability. So once we came back home, I told my husband, I was like, you know what? I have a gut feeling that we need to share how our banking method, because the way we organized our finances made it so easy. Mm. And this was a very stressful month. No income, a loss in the family, open heart surgery on a six-month-year-old baby. Like, how much more dramatic can this get? <laughs> yeah. And to not have to worry about money, that is mind-blowing to me. Mm-hmm. And especially coming from, you know, my background and his background, where money's always the issue. So that's where we created the high five banking method, where it's by separating accounts with purpose. And it's been such a game changer for our family. And a lot of people have been giving amazing feedback as well. And it's just been such a blessing. So can you talk us through the details of how this high five banking method works and what it actually means? Yes. So the high five banking method is pretty much a way to organize your accounts with purpose. So it's composed of five accounts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Two checking accounts and three savings accounts. So the two checking accounts is going to be one for your bills, where you're going to um, put all of the money that's mandatory, that's needed, not any wants. <laughs> you're going to put all of that money into one account only. So this is going to be very important when we go into the emergency fund. After that, the next savings checking account is going to be for your lifestyle account. This is going to be for all of your monthly wants, like going to Starbucks, buying a little bit of clothes, um, the dollar section at the Target store. <laughs> You'd want to go and if you have money to spend, you don't want to feel guilty for doing it. You want to go and spend with purpose, knowing that you're going to the movies without feeling stressed out. But once you get into the savings accounts, the first one's going to be your emergency fund. And what a lot of people don't realize is if you're your bills are set up correctly, it should mimic how much one month of your emergency fund should be. Mm, that's a good and point. then after that, it's going to be your long-term goals and your short-term goals. And something that really benefited me for the short-term goals, um, now that I've been through my debt-free journey, is this has kind of been like secretly my, I'm not going back into debt account <laughs> because, <laughs> because you know I'm able to actually save for the things that I need. And I, I'm looking, I'm planning more forward what I want to do with my finances, you know, and I think a lot of times people don't do that and they're able to, you know, kind of get into debt because they haven't been planning for their finances. Yeah. And this is a really good way of organizing your finances within your bank account so that you can have a little bit more flexibility of how to manage your budget and your financial goals. So as you're talking through this, I'm realizing that I've been following your method. And I didn't even know that that's what it was called. So I'm so excited. Um, high five to you because <laughs> I had no clue that this was actually like a strategic method. But it, it made a lot of sense for me because 
I'm the type of person that I hate Excel spreadsheets for my life. So like <laughs> budgeting was always, it was always something I did a lot like in my brain, but I just not the type to write it down. But once I started using the separate bank accounts for just specific purposes, one for bill pay, one for saving, one for travel, et cetera, it just made things so easy because I didn't have to think about, oh, do I have enough in this account to cover what I need to pay for rent, you know? And so that I love that. I love that method. And it's, it's kind of similar to like the physical, you know, envelope system that some people use. Like some people like the whole cash thing. I'm not big on it because I feel like cash just burns a hole in my wallet. So definitely, I love the banking method and the, the account method. So this is fantastic. Yes. I love it too. And then that's one of the things that my husband and I always secretly talk about, you know, a lot of people, they want to do the cash envelope method because, you know, they wanted to control their spending. But to me, I'm like, okay, realistically, when it comes to bills, most people are paying their bills online and just having it at your bank is much more easier. And then when it comes to your lifestyle spending, you know, you want to have a little bit of choices. Even if you have the cash envelopes, there's nothing really stopping you from taking money out of, you know, your clothes budget and spending it to go to the movies. So it's almost, it's, it's allowing it to be a little bit more flexible and more, instead of being so concrete, where you're like, I have $200 to spend on my lifestyle this month. I can do whatever I please. If I want to spend it all in one week, that's fine. But I made that choice. So I know that once I spend it, it's gone. Yeah. But if I want to change my mind and I say, you know what, I want to go to a birthday party instead. I'm not going to go to the movies this weekend. I'm going to buy someone else a gift with this money. You know exactly what your budget is and you can easily check it right from your phone. And a lot of us do that. So it just became a lot more functional, I believe, for where we're going on a digital age. Mm hmm. So how do you define a short-term and a long-term goal? Is it like, you know, any things that short-term is like within a year and then long-term is after? Or how do you define that? Yes. So I define short-term goals as anything that you want to accomplish within the next 12 months. And then for long-term, anything that's longer than 12 months. And again, these are things that you want to pay for either with your credit card or you want to save up for like a big trip and you know, there's big things that people want to save up for, like a house. These are not things that you should be saving for in your investments. Saving for your investments, like your retirement, for example, I consider that to be an extreme long-term goal. Mm -hmm. That should not be in a bank account. Mm -hmm. But things that should be in your bank account are things that you know you're going to do in the next 12 months for your short-term goals, or it's going to take three to five years maybe, and you're saving it in a high-yield online savings account for your long-term goals. That's kind of the method that I use, and it's been very beneficial. That's great. So obviously, there's a lot of people right now that are kind of reevaluating their budgets. Maybe they've been um, more aggressively investing in the past 10 years or so since the stock market has been basically booming up until this point. So what advice do you have for people that are kind of in a you know, limbo right now? Like what should they be doing with their budgets differently than maybe they were doing in the past? That's a good question. I was talking, I've been thinking about this a lot because it's a, it's a difficult, um, it's very difficult for people to go back on lifestyle. So one of the things that I did to kind of reduce my lifestyle and lower my cost of living was to get more used to doing things on my own instead of always paying for stuff to get done. And that's been allowing me to reduce my lifestyle account. And when it comes to your bills, I would say, look at your bills, 
and see what areas can you reduce and cut. And any extra money that does come in, you need to start pushing that towards your emergency fund and reevaluating your emergency fund. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that when you do lower your bills, your emergency fund actually grows. It actually becomes longer. So if you have um, an emergency fund of three months and you lower your bills by like $1,000, just say for an example, your emergency fund now is worth four months or five months compared to it being only three months. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the areas that I really focus on is making sure that you're lowering your cost of living through your bills. You're cutting all the lifestyle expenses as much as you can during this time, especially since we're quarantined. Like you can't really go on date night. (laughs) You can't really do, you know, coffee runs and stuff like that. It's not the same situation. So it's pretty easy to reduce the lifestyle at this moment and increase your emergency fund. I was also asked, what do you do if you have extra money that's not in your emergency fund and you were planning on paying off debt or something like that? Mm-hmm. One thing that we did was um, we paid up some of our small bills just because we knew we still needed it. And that was a way for us to make sure that we had our cell phone during hard times. That was a way for us to make sure that our car insurance was taken care of and that wasn't a part of our monthly bills. Because a lot of times during these type of situations, we get stressed out. And we're just like, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. You know, luckily right now they're giving a lot of leeway and a lot of hardship programs available for credit cards, student loans, but it's not a lot of clarity for like insurance and housing, like renting. If you're renting healthcare, that's a really big deal for a lot of people who lost their jobs. And uh, it's just very, I understand the situation very clearly and I just believe that this is the time that you have to be really focused on making sure that you have the mandatory listings of your bills and you're not spending more than you need Got on it. those things. So I do have a question. Since you mentioned healthcare, you work for yourself, right? And your husband is a contractor. So how do you guys manage health insurance as you know self-employed people and with children? Because I know that's like something that probably sounds expensive. Ooh, girl, it is. <laughs> There's, we have not found a workaround on that one at all. Oh, wow. That has been really rough over here <laughs> for that. But at first, it was it was a hard one because I remember when we first got healthcare, we started off at, at platinum, and then we moved down to gold, and now we're at silver, and then people are saying, oh, maybe get HSA accounts. But for our situation, you know, our son has a heart defect. That's not going to be a good option for us. Mm -hmm. So we're just very cautious in making sure that he has his individual plan that's gold uh, higher than we are because we're a little healthier. And we've actually just gotten used to paying it, unfortunately. Yeah. I know that's hard to hear. No, I mean, it's (laughs) there's no workaround for, right? Like, just like anything else. Yes. Yes. It's definitely. not a fun budget to do. And I know a lot of other people have businesses and they've gone down to like the catastrophic type of healthcare Mm -hmm. to lower that bill. And they've, other people have done the HSA accounts for me personally, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing an HSA account until we have um, the max out of pocket for the family in, in our savings account, just because of our, our specific situation and our family's health. um, That's a, a reality for us. 
Yeah. Especially since I broke my toe (laughs) three weeks ago. Oh, no. (laughs) My husband's like, every time we think about lowering our health (laughs) care, something happens. You broke a toe. Murphy's Law. I mean, what, you know, what can go wrong will go wrong. That's just life, right? (laughs) Exactly. And that's one of the reasons we're just like, oh, man, this is such a difficult uh, (laughs) budget item for us. But it is what it is. Yeah. It's just a necessary evil. Um, so I want to talk about your debt payoff journey with your student loan. So how much did you actually pay off and over what amount of time? So over five years, it took us five years to pay off our student loans. What was about $55,000 and we broke that up. Honestly, it took us about two years to do that because we were talking about getting engaged before we actually got engaged. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's me again, being in my industry and being upfront with my spouse, my future spouse, that I can't file bankruptcy and we need to, you know, really um, take control over this. So we did that. And something that people in the debt-free community don't really know, or they don't, they frown upon a little bit is saving for your emergency fund. So after we paid off our student loans, we focused on saving for our emergency fund. And, but we still had debt. We still had both of our cars at that time as well. Mm-hmm. So I know that's very controversial because people are like, well, why don't you just save your thousand dollars and then pay off all your debt? You know, we had a gut feeling that our journey was a little bit unique and different. Mm-hmm. So we, Put our own approach to it. We paid off the debt that we were most scared about, which is student loans. I never believe that they're going to um, just eliminate student loans. I feel like that's too big of a cash cow for the economy at the moment. Yeah. So I didn't put my faith on that. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, we're going to take care of this. We're going to do it. We did that, saved our emergency fund up to about three months, and then we paid off our cars. And that took a total of five years. It was $99,000. And $102. And again, we did this while starting two businesses, having two kids. And we did it all while living in San Diego, which is a very expensive place to live. And we were not dive into this because like I actually (laughs) moved from New Jersey to Florida to lower my cost of living because I wanted to get on, you know, the fire path and I wanted to eliminate my student loans. And that has helped a lot because obviously the cost of living in Florida is a lot lower than it is in New Jersey. But San Diego is expensive. I would love to live there, but I'm like, this place is way too much right now. So what did you guys do like? specifically to lower your cost of living to the point where you could accomplish these things? Because I think that's what gets in people's minds that it's just like, well, no, I I just can't do it. You know, that's just, it it is what it is. Well, to be honest, it wasn't really the cost, lowering the cost of living as much. That was a big part of it. It was more of us learning about our triggers, our spending triggers. Mm. One thing that I realized was when I did go to Target, I liked to buy a a little bit more than I needed to. Mm -hmm. When I went to Costco, I would buy just a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to try. And these were expenses that were just racking up for no reason Mm -hmm. that could have been going towards debt. So we started realizing that bulk buying was a key thing for me to stay away from the stores. It wasn't more about, oh, it's cheaper if you just buy what you need and that's it. I'm like, that worked for our groceries. But when it came to household items and things like 
rice and beans and stuff like that. You know, I needed to stay away from the stores as much as possible until I learned how to control my spending triggers. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things that we worked on while we were becoming debt free. Another thing that we did that wasn't very popular with my family was that we worked our butt off. We (laughs) both had side. My husband, he worked full time. He was designing an app at that time. Um, He was working about 60 hours. And on top of that, on the weekends and after work, he was working for um, a school doing, I believe, like 10 to 20 hours. Wow. And I was, so he was working a lot of hours. And on the side where I was in my career still, I was getting my accreditation. So my series seven, once I passed that, my boss gave me a bonus. He gave me a raise. And it's like finding ways to increase your income as much as you possibly can, even though if it might be a year or two of extreme hustle. Yeah. Because, because it, it ends up working out. Because imagine trying to pay off your student loans in four years, but you could knock it out in two years if you really just grind it out for one year and learned your spending triggers and avoided spending more than you needed to. That was pretty much what we did. And after we paid off our student loan debt, of course, we saved for our emergency fund because I'm a scaredy cat. And I was like, the recession's <laughs> coming. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> and my husband's like, okay. <laughs> I love that because I think you touched on the two approaches that you need to take when it comes to making radical changes in your finances. It can't just be that you cut because there's only so much you can cut, right? Like you're not, mm-hmm. if you're cutting to the point where you're like living in your car and you're like eating ramen every day, like that's not quality of life either. So that Mm-mm. journey is going to suck. So you have to also do what you can to increase your income. And I want to drive home the point that like right now we have so much free time on our hands, guys. We really need to start looking at side hustles if that's not something you're already doing, because now more than ever, you know, we always stress about this thing called time that we don't have enough of. And I think a lot of us are in a place right now where we have extra amounts of time, maybe not in the traditional sense, you know, obviously you're a mom, now all of a sudden you're a teacher and you're doing all kinds of stuff. But when the kids are asleep, you're still at home, right? So you can take some time to do, create your content for your site or record a video or add a post to your blog. Like there's just, it's just about optimizing like what you're using your time for. I think that's such a big It is. And I think I get asked that all the time. They're like, how do you do it? You meal prep, take care of the kids, you juice, you budget and make create content. It just sounds like fake, you know? And the reality is I wake up early. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, When the kids are napping, I'm working. And I've been working from home for so long that I've had to create some type of routine, some type of structure for myself to become, you know, to do the things that I actually want to do and not just let my day go on. Because again, when you're at home, a lot of people are saying this quarantine just feels like the day you wake up and it's already like lunchtime. <laughs> you know? I, it could feel that way, you know, when you don't have a routine or a schedule and you're just letting the day take you, take control. You know, it takes a lot of discipline to say, no, I'm going to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. I'm going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. No, I'm going to stay up at 11 and start recording a video. I'm going to, you know, it's 12 o'clock. It's lunchtime. I made the kids lunch. Now it's time for a nap. Let's start working on our game plan for our business. Mm -hmm. So it's not easy, but it's definitely doable if you really want it. And I think 
again, I want to quote Gary V because I, <laughs> I love Gary. He's so funny. <laughs> he's so real that it's kind of funny. Yeah. He's just like, um, he's been saying for a while that the losers have been winning for a long time, but the winners are really going to start winning right now. Mm. And I think that was a really interesting quote because a lot of people have been making easy money for a long time. Not easy money, but you know what I mean. They've been working and they've been able to acquire a good amount of income. Mm -hmm. But when times get rough, can that income continue? And have you separated that in by diversifying it? And a lot of people can't say that they have. So it's really making sure you're taking full control of your time and really pushing it. You know, push yourself. I do it all the time. It's possible, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. All right. So what advice do you have to give someone that wants to start getting control of their finances, but just doesn't even know where to start? Definitely create a spending tracker. Start tracking where you're actually spending your money at. And if you still having a hard time doing that, start listing out like with the high five banking method, you know, how much money do you think you're spending on your lifestyle? Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Style. How much money do you think your bills are? And I even think about when I'm thinking about the, like someone like this, I'm thinking of me when I was in college and, you know, you don't know anything. <laughs> you're, you're like, I'm clueless. Please help me. And I always think about what I would have wanted to hear And it probably would have been to really focus on the first three accounts of the high five banking method. Start organizing your finances like that. Um, Even though, even if it's on a sheet of paper, that's how I love to realistically start any ideas on a piece of paper. Write out all of the expenses for your bills. Write out all of the things that you like to do in your for your lifestyle on a monthly basis. You know, for women, it might be getting your eyebrows done. You know, buying a new lipstick whatever that may be, everyone's a little different. And then really start considering your an emergency fund. I definitely love the concept of an emergency fund, but more than the concept, I love when people actually have one because a lot of people have been told to just save, just to save. And that doesn't work. A lot of people are not going to save money just because you tell them to save $20 or $5. They need to find a purpose for it. And around this time, I feel like a lot of people are finding a purpose why to save for an emergency fund. So those would be the first three things that I would do. I love it. And that's so true. I think you just have to think about how powerful a to-do list can be, right? When you write something down and you see it and you know that it has to be done, it's a lot easier to get it done than just saying, you know, I should go do this, I should go do that. So it's the same concept with the high five banking method. As long as your money has a purpose, you're way more likely to actually achieve that purpose and that goal. Yes, it's definitely a motivational um, butt kicker. (laughs) 
<laughs> and especially for people who don't know how to budget, it actually secretly forces you to budget. Because a lot of people are like, I don't budget. I don't even know how to budget. And when they, when you list out the high five banking, they're like, oh yeah, I'm doing that. I'm like, well, you're secretly budgeting because you have to do the, figure out how much you need to transfer into your bills account, mm-hmm. how much to transfer to your savings for your emergency fund and how much you actually need for your lifestyle. And then you really start seeing the person grow and starting to um, create goals. A lot of people don't have goals. And that's one of the main reasons why they spend without really thinking about it. I'm like, you have to ask yourself, what are my short-term goals? What do I want to do this year? Mm-hmm. And even beyond that, what do I want to do next year? What What are my goals for the next two to three years. And just really thinking about that will start motivating you to start saving with purpose. That's, well, that's worked for me. (laughs) I love that. So I'm curious, do you have like a money mantra that you repeat to yourself when you're looking to attract money? To attract money. Hmm. I have a money mantra, but it's not to attract money. It's more to motivate myself a little bit. Um, to motivate myself with money, it's um, sacrifice now or sacrifice later. I always think of myself as an old lady, not being able to buy food or having to, you know, not feeling comfortable in my own skin and ha- being able to survive financially. And I always tell myself, you know, you got to push now that you can, and this will benefit you in the future. Even if it, you're not an old lady, you could be like next year. Like even when I was in college, I always told myself, you're sacrificing now for a better future and you're going to see the better future right when you graduate. Best believe it. (laughs) You have to believe it. So that's something that always motivated me to keep pushing and to make the best choices that I can at the moment. I love that. So Saidanis, where can we find out more about you and follow your journey? Yes, you can follow me on my blog, thepoiselifestyle.com, and also on Instagram, Poise Finance Lifestyle. And I also have a YouTube channel where I do weekly Q&As. Um, it's called Poise Finance and Lifestyle. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much, too. Take care. I hope you loved this episode and I hope that you have been inspired to take your budget into your own hands and it doesn't need to be complicated guys. If you know spreadsheets and all that stuff is just not for you, which I know it's not for me, you can use Sideni's high five banking method to just really allocate your funds in a way that aligns with what you're trying to do and that helps you stay in budget. So I hope you love this episode. Please be sure to share it with your friends and family. As always, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a review. And until next time, stay thrifty, stay on budget, and stay poderosa.
the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.